Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Is This a Thing? We're back, bitches. <laughs> We're a uh, sh- short one. Uh, yeah, we are. Uh, Adam is in paradise right now, which is not a fate that he deserves, to be frank. Not happy about it. He's on a tropical island in the Bahamas uh, at like a really nice resort by the looks of it. I, I'm very jealous is what I'm trying to I, say. I'm very jealous. I feel weird when people our age talk about timeshares. Yes. <laughs> you know, it just feels like an old person thing. Right. Is that where but he is? Is he at a timeshare? I th- I'm pretty sure he used the word timeshare at least once in our chat. Oh, goodness. I swear he did. Yeah. I don't know if it's his timeshare. He might be just, you know, borrowing off someone else or something, which is fine. But, uh, yeah, always weird. It looks very nice. Um, a guy like Adam, uh, 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 an evil little imp like Adam does not deserve, <laughs> does not deserve to be sipping margaritas poolside. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, if you've that ever right. seen Adam in person, it's like, no, it's not your natural habitat. You belong in a cove. You belong under a bridge. In a cage. Yes, in a cage. Being poked with sharp sticks. <laughs> uh, so we missed a show last week. I was on vacation then. Unlike Adam, I thrive in a tropical environment. Mm. Uh, as you can tell by my exquisite tan. Um, I'm sure all of the listeners can appreciate your tan. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can just hear it. I mean, the confidence that I'm <laughs> exuding. You can hear it. <laughs> my olive skin um i saw so i was on vacation and i let the fucking inmates run the asylum while i was gone and <laughs> how'd that work out nick I, I do want to be clear we recorded a show to be released last week and it is entirely my fault yes i mean i fucked up my audition settings when i was working on a different project didn't put them back and as a result, my entire recording, you may have heard this on Two Cents, but my entire audio was irreparably harmed. Okay, what kind of settings did you need to change for it to just, for the audio to sound like it's meant for a robot? Well, so I was trying to troubleshoot a different issue. Mm. So I was on one of those websites where they go 10 steps on how you could do this. And I went through every step and I fucked with all my settings And one of them I didn't change back, and it was something along the lines of uh, the actual encoding of my audio Mm. when it's being recorded. So uh, as a result, it sounded like I was uh, speaking Portuguese in a tin can in space while being shot with a BB gun or something. Right. Again, not a setting that you would ever need. (laughs) That's what I mean. Why does Audition even have this available? Why did they make the... Portuguese from space while being shot with a BB gun setting in the yeah, first place. Yeah, right. That's Adobe. what I mean. Yeah. I don't understand Adobe. Right. right. By the way, this episode of Why Is This Thing brought to you by Adobe. <laughs> Anti-ad. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, that'd be great if you uh, had a show where all of your sponsorships was just shitting on the brand that is paying you. Uh, Yeah. Doesn't Bill Burr do that or something? Yeah, that's generally Bill Burr's <laughs> technique. Yeah. So like, yeah, me undies. <laughs> <laughs> no more clammy clam <laughs> um but yeah entirely my fault adam's audio was crisp and beautiful we had a lovely conversation 
seriously, a f- almost full two hour conversation. No, do- no sidebar, full dialogue. No way. You did two on, hours on Godzilla 1998, which is, believe it or not, a film that is both near and dear to Adam and my heart. As wow. Children. Oh, my God. Uh, and it was a incredible follow up conversation to the last show about small soldiers or a lot of parallels there both in the actual filmmaking and in our experience as children watching that film so it was a lovely podcast that you will never hear too bad you can never hear it (laughs) (laughs) i mean i could put it out there it'll just sound like horrible shit wow so i didn't realize it was two hours that's really sad no it's really i'm actually like wondering if i should like convert it into a script and put out a youtube video or something just so (laughs) it's not wasted it really, I mean, it, there is really no worse feeling in the world aside from losing a loved one. I mean, that might be the worst thing, but I think that, it's loved one uh, the, losing your podcast audio and uh, accidentally letting go of a balloon. I think that's <laughs> the top three. I mean, yeah, like I, I don't know if I've ever had a, a hangover feel worse than the feeling right after losing podcast audio and realizing you're never going to get it back. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's such an awful feeling that just haunts you for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know? I, I feel so guilty, too. Like, Adam's like, ah, oh, well, it's all right. I'm like, I can tell he's upset. I'm like, right. ah. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. I just, I just wish it was his fault. You know what I mean? Yes. I wish it was his fault and not mine. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Because it's way easier to hate Adam than to feel guilty. Totally. You yeah, know. of course. No, but I mean, you wouldn't even be that mad if it was his fault, because it's what you expect out of an evil little imp like Adam. Right, you know? exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, of course, is what he does right before vacation. Of exactly. course. <laughs> no. <laughs> well. It is what it is. Is what it is. That's right. Uh, but we're here now. Uh, after a week off, I'm I'm recharged and refreshed and ready to talk about talking babies. Which is great, because as I was just telling you before the show, I am absolutely beaten and downtrodden while you are feeling recharged and refreshed i have never been more burnt out i feel like lately i'm feeling great man i'm I'm, I'm 27 years young this week oh wow you're finally feeling young for once no honestly everybody asks me how old this year and i'm like 21 (laughs) just stockholm syndrome yourself into yeah just just, or whatever just fucking gaslight yourself totally um yeah so we're but uh we're, we're talking about uh, another movie of your childhood this mm-hmm. week this was your personal selection 1999's baby geniuses all of the movies we've done have been in the same like year range yeah well roughly it's that's like 98 it was 98 98 now 99 uh i'm counting the godzilla film that will never be released well my but. selection will be uh much different than that <laughs> It's going to be a completely different timetable. (laughs) I'm zigging when everyone else zags, man. Uh, This movie is, yeah, from 1999, directed by Bob Clark, the director of A Christmas Story. Mm -hmm. That's, I guess, what he's most known for. Uh, Also did the 1974 horror film, cult classic horror film, Black Christmas. Um, And 1981's Porky's. Are you familiar with Porky's, Nick? That sounds familiar, actually. Was that on Comedy Central all the time? Might have been. I don't know. I don't know if it would have been safe for, for Comedy Central. Or it was a sex like... comedy from 1981. It, it's basically softcore pornography. 
Oh, God. But it, it kicked off an entire run of 80s sex comedies. Um, and it was basically the first one. And it was a phenomenon. It cost them $2.5 million to make. They ended up grossing $111 million Holy worldwide. Holy shit. Like, it was a huge, huge, <laughs> huge, huge movie. And so this guy, uh, Bob Clark, kind of like uh, in the in the source code of American cinema, he's he's buried under there uh, between this and a Christmas story. I mean, uh, two seminal films and baby geniuses. I guess that's three. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> what a weird. What. A, what a mix. What a mix yeah. of films. What a career. What a career. Um, <laughs> and also directed Baby Geniuses too, by the way, which I think we should talk about some other time. But um, this is a movie that you grew up with and you loved. But Baby Geniuses two is often referred to as one of the worst movies ever made. Won a bunch of well, Razzies. <laughs> it's one that always comes up whenever I'm looking for you know bad movies to do on the show. I mean, yeah. To be clear, it's not like Baby Geniuses. One is a stellar film, either. Not exactly Chinatown. Any, no, no. By any stretch of the imagination, this is one of those movies that, um, unlike Small Soldiers, unlike Godzilla '98, or many of the f- films from my childhood, this is one that I genuinely have not seen mm. since I was a child. Right. Um, since I must have been six or seven. And now, what did you was, remember about it? Well, things came back to me as the movie went on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I'll say the, the, the start of the film where the child is running away and sh- shows off his kung fu skills um, <laughs> and actually specifically the child trying to blend in with the statues. Mm. That was like a core memory. Yeah. That lit up. That's a smart um, gag. That's a clever little gag. It felt a lot more clever when I was a kid, I'll tell you that. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> really. It was one of those things that, I, like, I feel like as a kid, it was, like, one of the smartest things I'd ever seen. Mm. And now as an adult, I'm like, wow, this is horrible hot garbage. And then uh, the end with the giant robot baby. Those are the two, I think, cornerstones of this film that really stuck with me. Yeah, I, I, I generally, when I think back to movies of my childhood i do remember the beginning and the end and i feel like the middle is usually a a blur the beginning because like these movies at least in our era at least in our time back in our day we used to get them from blockbuster we used to have them on dvd and we'd often start the movie and not finish them uh and the climax is the last thing that you're left with and like that's usually the thing that's most notable and all the other plot filler in the middle like i i don't remember any of that shit it's usually not that important either. <laughs> no, usually. However, this movie is full of exposition. Like, there's Way a lot more of than it, it should be. <laughs> a lot of expositional dialogue for no good reason. I mean, like, th- there are uh, step uh, mothers and aunts and fake uncles and like. There's a very complicated family tree with layers and layers of trauma built into it. Like there's a lot of explaining to do. And also the experimentation itself, the 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 premise of the movie is also very complex in terms of where this organization is getting its funding from and what exactly they're doing to make these babies super geniuses. Uh yeah, it's it's bizarre, man. There's a lot of explaining. And I imagine when you saw this as a kid, I did not watch it as a kid, but I assume that your experience um, w- was quite confusing. 
I, I think it was one of those things where as a kid I watched it and it was like, ha ha, adult got hit. Ha ha ha. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I, I definitely did not pay any attention to the plot whatsoever. And, mm. you know, it kind of gets away with um, one of these movies, movies like this, they they have this convoluted explanation of how science works or technology works. And it's obviously nonsensical. It totally gets away with it because their audience is like eight years old mm. and they don't understand anything anyways. Yeah. But it does sort of nod at the adults a few times. And I found all of those attempts to be actually quite crude and uh, bad, not right? tasteful. Yeah. Uh, th- you know, there are references to sex, in the movie, pretty explicitly. Yeah, when when they're saying, like, oh, we have no kids home, and they run upstairs, like... Yeah, uh, Peter Mc- McNichol and Kim Cattrall uh, play these two uh, adoptive parents of these babies, these talking babies. Uh, well, they're not... Well, I shouldn't say they're talking babies. I, I guess in, in the universe of this movie, all babies are able to communicate through baby talk. And what we assume is just gibberish Burying is actually, the lead. yeah. In the universe of this movie, all babies understand the fundamental nature of the universe. Right. And at age two, they just suddenly forget it all. Now, is the implication there that they are reincarnated creatures? Is that the Either that or it's just passed down through ancestral DNA memory. Yeah, there, like there's, there's a, some core part of our DNA that understands the fundamental nature of the universe. But when we're two, we get so sucked into our lives that we just forget it all. Sure. Right. And you start right. over. Right. 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 Uh, <laughs> thanks for clarifying. <laughs> fucking crazy. Uh, but anyway, the two adoptive parents uh, in one particular scene are like, hey, let's start making another baby now. And they begin uh, canoodling and, uh, you know, there's nothing explicit explicit shown in the movie at all but um you know there are references to uh testicles uh there are, uh, i think the word gonad is used a few times um, uh th- there's a one particular line which is like a lady if you're gonna talk out your ass you best wear a bow tie on your butt and i'm like okay junior <laughs> this is that's a baby saying this this is the disney channel all right <laughs> And I, I don't know. I found all of that stuff to be, uh, I, I don't know if I'm like clutching my pearls and like we have to save the children and not show them all this crude humor. But it it just felt like the movie was uh, too tame for adults and too crude for children. You know? Sure, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, it's not really made for anyone. No, it's not. That was the one thing that hit me during this. It's. It- you know, uh, this is easily way worse than I remember it being. <laughs> Significantly worse. And, like, I knew revisiting it that it was going to be bad. Yeah. Like, I had no illusions. Right. 2% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Feels high. It's pretty universally hated. Yes. Uh, Roger Ebert called it the worst movie of 1999. Uh, he did probably it. Probably true. An episode of his show, um, naming the worst movies. His co-host on that show actually named Pokemon the first movie, the worst movie of 1999. That could not be a worse take. Thank you. Like, thank you. Anybody our age remembers that movie. I still see people referencing that film about like how it taught them about 
you know, and you got to catch them all. Well, no, was, that's the uh, one with Mewtwo, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Or yeah. no, that's Pokemon 2000. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh, no, maybe maybe Mewtwo isn't in it. Maybe he isn't. What is po- it, Pokemon? Pokemon the first movie, I think is what the it's called. The first movie. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Mewtwo's in it. Definitely. Yeah. 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 This is the one where Mewtwo says, I understand now it is not the circumstances of our birth that something like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, sure. Yeah. Let me find right. the quote. Mewtwo. Sounds right. Circumstances of one's birth. Let me find the quote. Okay. I see now that the circumstances of one birth are irrelevant. It is what you do with the gift of life that determines who you are. That message has stuck with a generation of millennials. Definitely. I still see that text on my Facebook timeline with a picture of Ash frozen as a, a, a stone. Mm. Pikachu's oh my god! A disturbing back moment. To life. Yes. I mean, what is wrong with this? Oh my god! Quite disturbing. Ash turning to stone was not prepared for that. That's like they... Frosty melting in the greenhouse, dude. Right. Yeah, that shit's fucked. They kill Ash. He yeah. dies. Yeah, dude. That's a great movie. The the yeah the episode uh, it was after Gene Siskel died. I think he died in '99. So Ebert was doing the show by himself for a while. And he brought on this film critic to do it with him. Um, I watched the whole episode, and like the the guy put uh, "Cruel Intentions," the the uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and and Reese Witherspoon movie, which is mm-hmm. actually really fun. Uh, he put Paul Thomas Anderson's "Magnolia" on the list. Another awful take. That's just, that's an awesome movie. Uh, and then he rounds it out. Ebert chose "Baby Geniuses" as his worst, and that makes sense. And then fucking this this asshole. Poor man's uh, Gene Siskel puts Pokemon the movie. Couldn't believe it. What a horrible list. And he's like, oh, kids are fed nothing but violence and action. Nothing but trash these days. I couldn't believe it, dude. Almost threw my laptop across the room. (laughs) 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 To put that movie in the same breath as Baby Geniuses. Maybe it is bad. I haven't seen it in a while either, but I don't know. No shot. Yeah. No shot of that movie bad. Does Pokemon suck? Yes. It does. Yeah. Right. But that might be the best thing Pokemon's ever made was that movie. Yeah. Pokemon you know might I mean? suck, but I just that that's one thing that I it hasn't even crossed my mind until this moment, you know? Like I I never conceived of the fact that someone wouldn't get Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get it. Right. <laughs> What's there not to get? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, so that uh, it did not uh, earn any Razzie nominations that year, but it did earn two Stinker Awards. Apparently, this was another thing happening in 99. Uh, the Stinkers. W- the Stinker Awards. I don't know if they're okay. still a thing. Uh, worst Sense of Direction uh, and Least Special Special Effects won both of those awards that year. It is notable as being the first movie first full-length feature film to use computer-generated imagery for the synthesis of human visual speech um mm. they in this movie they do a, a sort of uh, uh i guess what's what's the clearest example of this animation style is it babe is it it's, uh, it's i was gonna say it's like uh um, dr doolittle well i was thinking the another one from childhood <laughs> that stands out is like cats versus dogs kind of i think didn't they okay. use something like that where you make like you make animals or people look like they're talking, right, right, um, and you know there, there's uh, 
there are there there have been talking baby movies before this. Travolta made Look Who's Talking, I think, in '89, but you don't actually see the baby's mouths move. It's it's more that you can hear their thoughts. And in this one, what they do is take the uh, take the the baby's mouth movements uh, and match the syllables up to the dialogue. So like a baby will be sitting there and they'll just record him making all sorts of weird sounds and they'll try to line it up in the animation so it makes sense. Uh, very distracting. It reminded me a lot also, of the annoying orange. <laughs> yes. Also an incredible amount of work. Yes. For this product. <laughs> that was my other thought. Who the hell would want to make this movie? Right. This seems like the biggest nightmare. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, like, first off, like, you're working with two-year-olds as your primary cast. Yes. That's a nightmare. Yes. And then the editing is a nightmare. I'm totally. sure the budget was a nightmare. The building these labs. is a nightmare. The action sequence The CGI sequences, for the time. Nightmare. You have to deal with the parents offset, you know, you know, worrying about if the baby had his bottle or not, whether or not it's nap time. Like, you hear all these horror stories about, like, on sitcoms, the, the Olsen twins on, on Full House. Like, you, know, you could only shoot with them for a certain amount of time that's why it became so popular for twins to play babies is because Which, the union rules only allow you to do, do it you, right yes. do you know what the leads in this yeah go but go ahead you can you can say they're, it. they're triplets right yeah yeah they're still around i guess are they still acting no okay apparently they well this is uh five years ago now but apparently they were all playing hockey in college Good for them. I guess, I guess they're pretty good. They're Canadian, so that's a big deal. <laughs> good for them. <laughs> so they were uh, uh, college hockey players. Yeah, I think all so. three of them. Yeah, <laughs> they almost had a full team. I know, right? I think pretty good. I think they were all on the same team too. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, they had they had triplets here, but like, yeah, it it is famously difficult, infamously difficult, I should say, to uh, to work with children and specifically babies on the productions of movies and these babies were a little bit older than the age they were playing i guess they were three when filming on this movie began Mm -hmm. uh as opposed to the year and a half that they're referred to in the script but uh no it's a nightmare why would you want to do this like it's so much work for a movie that clearly is not going to be good there's no version of this movie that's good you know this is you're taking like a horrible premise and making it as difficult and complex and expensive as possible. It is yeah. just a, a nightmare of a concept. Yeah, there's one scene where like they have a baby run down a, a a New York, a busy New York street and he's almost run over by cars. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure this was done safely. But the the amount of work and ingenuity that this requires in order to get that stunt done is absurd. Then I got to animate the baby dancing to John Travolta, you know, like in Saturday Night Fever. Like, come on. Why would you do this? And why would you make two of them? I, I, I still can't believe they made a sequel to this either. That is, I mean, because this movie, did this movie make money? It did. Did well. Uh, 11, uh, $12 million budget, $36 million gross. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. that's pretty good. Made some money. Still, it's, I mean, it's a lot more expensive than, uh, than, what is it, Frankie's? Uh, Porky's. No, Porky's. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking of hot dogs. 
<laughs> porkies. A lot more expensive than porkies. There was another sex comedy in the 80s called Hot Dog the Movie. <laughs> oh, that's... And it was... I think it was about like... Uh, that might be a good one to do one time. We do like sex comedy month. But it's... I guess, oh, yeah, that's... It's about... Uh, <laughs> it's about like a ski resort where like teens just bang each other or whatever. It's called Hot Dog the Movie. Wow. Riveting. Hamburger the Movie too, I think. 80 sex comedies is a weird rabbit hole to fall into because those are kind of like the Liam Neeson action movies of their time. Like you could just what? make a million of them. They always made money. You could release them in January and no one would complain. I feel like that's kind of like the origin of like the American pie like that we sort of grew up with, I guess you could say. Yeah, well, yeah I think American pie is yeah the natural extension of that. Yeah, right. Yeah. They made a lot of those, too. There are like 10 of them. I don't actually know how many there are. <laughs> I think they're still making them. I think they're still doing direct-to-video. Uh, and by the way, the, uh, Super Babies, colon, Baby Geniuses 2 was not the last installment in this franchise. They ended up making um, a TV series with John Voight as a, as a, uh, a French what? jewel thief. This is true. They did a TV show. John Voight was the villain. I think he I, he was reprising his role in the second one, or maybe he was like playing a different character from the second one. But this is kind of like John Voight's franchise. He produced the first movie, starred in the second movie, and then starred in the short-lived TV show that never got an American release. It only aired in Italy. In it, Baby Geniuses? Baby Geniuses, the show, yeah. It only aired in Italy, and then what they did is they like they recut the episodes into short movies, and they released those direct to DVD, direct to video. Wow. Yeah, this was wow. like in 2011. So if you you look up Baby Genius sequels, there's like three of them. It's like Baby Geniuses Go to Paris, Baby Geniuses Take London, and and John Voight is like top build. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Like, why is John Voight doing this? What What does he see in this franchise? I think he sees a new house on Malibu Beach. <laughs> I think that's what he sees. Okay. I think he sees ta- townhouse on the Upper East Side. I think that's <laughs> what he sees when the script for Baby Geniuses invade the Louvre. Hit his desk. I think he sees paycheck. Oh my god! Yeah, it, it's crazy. Like we, we've we've definitely dipped our toe into these waters in the past, but when you see some of these overseas productions of movies with like major movie stars, like when we watched that Jackie Chan Schwarzenegger movie with like ten different titles, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's just insane how much money there is overseas for these actors you know yeah i guess like it's hard to remember that yeah how how what is it about that like is it the language barrier that just like overseas quality doesn't matter as much because you're already there's already a language barrier so you don't realize it's bad as easily yeah maybe is it just because america is where films are made I, so yeah, people I, just... I think that's what it is. Yeah, I, I think, you know, American movies are kind of the gold standard. Everyone wants a piece of 
of the latest American release and they want a piece of movie stars and whatever version of movie stars that we get is is good enough. And usually that version is uh, something that can be filmed in a weekend. You know, like <laughs> you're not going to give John Voight like a, a brooding Oscar worthy role to to fly to fucking London for five days, you know, even still, though, like we said, this filming, this is tremendously difficult. This is yes. not filmed on a weekend. Definitely. Right, 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 right. So, I don't know, man. I think John Voight maybe uh, made a bad call. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there. Bad call, John. I think that might be the first time John Voight's ever made a bad call. Might be the only time. I, You know, it's <laughs> usually the guy is dead on, you know? Dead on. Usually just... With just his, one of the with great his, thinkers of our time, you know, with his political support of, Definitely. of candidates, right. always oh, knows how to back a winner. No, <laughs> <laughs> knows how to back a winner, man. Can't say, can't uh, say, John Boy hasn't put uh, the smart money where his mouth is. Uh, okay, baby geniuses, do you want to go through the plot of this movie? There's not really much to talk about here in terms of plot, but it is really bad. Yeah, I mean. So our our main characters are uh, these two twins, twin babies, who uh, are one of them is being kept at a secret laboratory at Baby Corp. Mm -hmm. And the other one was given to the CEO of Baby Corp's niece to raise. And uh, they're basically trying to do an experiment proving that the kinder method, which is the last name of the CEO of Baby Corp, uh, produces smarter babies so it's just a method of raising children mm. uh and it's like mensa sure. <laughs> no um uh, but that it produces smarter babies and she wanted a a control being a regular childhood so her niece is raising a, a child who has a twin brother unbeknownst to her right um it, it is kind of like uh it's kind of like that movie Three Identical Strangers, that documentary. Did you ever see that? No. I think it's like from 2018. I highly recommend you watch this thing. I'm going to spoil the, the gist of the movie, but here it goes. So if you don't want to get spoiled on this four-year-old documentary, cover yours. <laughs> uh, there's these three guys that meet each other in adulthood. I forget exactly what the origin is, but like... I don't know if they run into each other on the street or a photo pops up online or something, but they soon realize that the three of them are triplets and uh, they do some digging and come to find out that when they were children, uh, they were put up for an adoption by this shady orphanage that was doing experiments on like on twins and triplets to sort of measure the difference between nature and nurture. Uh, this is a real thing. This is an actual thing that happened. Oh and they uncover God. this in the documentary. And like there there's there's all of these scenes when they're in their uh you know, their early years when they're six or seven, people are visiting the home to like evaluate them, and the parents had no idea that there were twins and triplets out there. And what they came to find I it, this is another spoiler, but one of the triplets kills himself. And they come to find that there's actually a, a lot of trauma associated with separating these twins and triplets at birth. Uh, it's a really fascinating documentary. It's like, it's one of those know, stories where it's like, this is 
This is horror movie shit. This is baby geniuses shit. I don't see how you can like I don't I've never understood the motive because like you can't publish that paper. Right, 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 right. <laughs> like what's the point of doing this experiment? Yeah, it's Dr. Evil shit. He can't you get a oh published in Nature magazine. Right. They uh yeah, they published their study uh to the police as they turned themselves in. <laughs> like, what are you gonna do? In uh Scientist Quarterly, here's a study from Spectre. <laughs> They decided to poison an entire African village to determine <laughs> the effects that, like, what do you, what do you can't, right. you can't just do that. That's an excellent point. <laughs> I, I was going to say it's similar to, like, the Prince and the Pauper story, except not at all. Sure. Right. They could have made it similar to the Prince and the Pauper story, but the, instead they chose the evil baby experiment route. Uh, yeah, so the brothers, um, the smart one who is in a lab, uh, also it's kind of messed up that one of them is just smarter than the other. (laughs) So this is what I'm not clear on. Are all the babies in this universe able to communicate or are the geniuses the only ones able to communicate? No, I think all of them are. Okay. But these babies have just been selected out of the group as being of higher intelligence because there is like a daycare scene where i don't think all of the babies in that scene talk do you know what i mean Mm, i guess you may well but didn't uh, the whole crowd of them comes up to the twin at one point like so you're gonna tell us what's going on oh right so i think they can i just think that they were just like background characters that didn't matter okay Got it. But yeah, it's it's a little unclear. But the whole idea is that, like I said, all of these babies inherently know the secrets of the universe until they're two. Mm. On the dot, according to Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd is also in this movie. <laughs> As a like minor Sorry, supporting character. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> like not even nobody. He's nobody. He's n- yeah. But also he's not just like. It's not just a cameo. Like, he's in the whole movie playing nobody. Yeah. Literally. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, he has this weird, like, goatee and, like, balding look. Like, Like, I don't know. Like, it is a, it's a transformative performance. It's kind of a thankless role. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, there, there is actually a lot of, like, speaking parts. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of, like, screen time for him. And... He's not really doing anything with it. So it just felt like he showed up on set for a lot of nothing. It's very, it's very strange bit of casting. Very strange. I wonder how much he got paid. Uh, I assume pretty handsomely. I'm guessing that he was the, cause he's the only name in this movie. As far as I can tell. Uh, Kathleen Turner is uh, a fairly big name. She plays the villain in this. Um, Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise is in this shit. He plays the the plumber uncle. Oh, okay, another pointless character. Like, yeah, <laughs> but Dom DeLuise in I think one of his last on screen performances. It's like having like Brad Pitt play the mailman, and right. he's in the movie ten times delivering the mail, but that's all he does. <laughs> like, totally, it's crazy. Uh, Kim Cattrall, you you'd probably best know from Sex in the City. Yeah, I wouldn't. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know her from that, but I'll take uh, your word for it. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd though is uh 
is really trapped in a prison of his own design here. It's it's kind of disturbing to watch. It doesn't. Did you I see nobody Some... from a few years ago? The uh, Bob With... Odenkirk action. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. saw that. Yeah. yeah. So Christopher Lloyd is in that as his father, and I. Yeah, that's I, right. He is. Remember that. And when I heard that casting, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This might be something cool. Like this might be like Christopher Lloyd comes back for one last rodeo. And it wasn't that. I remember being very disappointed by that. It was a little weird. He had a moment. He had a nice moment in that movie. He got to shoot things at the end. It, that whole movie was a little weird because you just have comedians playing like John Wick. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> that whole movie is inherently kind of weird. Yeah, it, it's it's um, yeah, he's one of those guys. Where, isn't like Riza in that movie, too? It's like it's a bunch of like non-actors doing that shit. Uh, Christopher Lloyd's career is a very interesting one to talk about, and specifically the real deterioration. Yeah, Lloyd's I mean, one of those guys that I wish took a, a turn into drama. Like it felt like he, he was made for that because he had a run in the late 80s from Back to the Future to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Just incredible performances. Like, you know, like generation defining performances. Doc Brown mm-hmm. is a is an iconic film character because of him. Like no one else could have done that role. And I feel like he, he could have made a Robin Williams esque turn at the end of it and started doing like, you know, crowd pleasing family centric dramas. You know, he could have done a Goodwill Hunting, I feel like, towards the end. And he never made that turn. And I'm kind of disappointed by that. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like he's ever even met that comedic role ever again. Right. No, it felt right. Like he, he just started doing kids' movies. Sure. Well, I I, <laughs> I think he started doing voice work, probably. Um, I guess he was in. Yeah, see, Piranha Three Double D. Uh, maybe that. Maybe he was just content. You know. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. There was always something about him where I'm like, because again, Back to the Future. That is a you know it's a great comedic performance but it's also like a very solid dramatic performance like there mm-hmm. is pathos to that character there is a relationship there like he d- he does play notes of actual tenderness 100% and that's the frustrating thing it's like you know uh, let's well okay so he did who framed roger rabbit in 88 um he did clue in 85 he did back to the future in 85 um and, you know, he does the other Back to the Futures, and then he does, like, he does a Camp Nowhere. He does the Adams Family Values. Uh, he does this movie. Yeah, I like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Jim Carrey's another guy like that, where it's like he should have made the turn to drama a lot sooner. And I feel like they're both kind of cut from the same cloth. He almost made it a little too late, I feel like, with Jim Carrey, huh? Hmm. I don't know, or maybe he just p- had bad picks. Yeah, to a degree, because who knows like, what kind I, of roles he was getting offered? But I've, I, well, if you you think about some of Jim Carrey's movies lately too, like yeah, not yeah, but I don't know. Like great. Jim Carrey did Eternal Sunshine. Um, I guess he tried the what was that movie? The number twenty three. Yeah, yeah, he tried that for a bit. <laughs> That's the main one that I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It is hard to break out definitely is but i really like christopher lloyd and i i was i don't know i was upset to see him in this so so yeah where do we leave off here so yeah these um 
the genius baby basically keeps breaking out from the lab and uh, basically tracks down his twin brother, not realizing that he's tracking him down. Mm. I think they're, we're led to believe that there's some sort of like intuitive tether connecting them. Yes. And uh, he ends up switching places with his brother by way of uh, uh, goons from the lab kidnapping the wrong baby. And he realizes, you know, I kind of like living with a mom and dad. But, uh, you know, as the villain, actually, here's here's the part that's most important. Uh, the father, the adoptive father, uh, is studying how to understand baby speak. Mm. This is his career path, is uh, dissecting the language of babies. And uh, he's kind of creepy, right? Uh, yeah. I, the I whole think, movie, he's like obsessively trying to talk to young children. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, the and other it, characters it, are kind it, of uh, yeah, well, maybe they're, they're charmed by his quirkiness. They're never like this guy's a fucking weirdo, but they're also like, oh, old dad being dad again. I, I don't know. I found his performance very <laughs> fucking creepy and not endearing personally. <laughs> mm, but he's right though. He's proven right. Sure. <laughs> by, by a miracle. <laughs> this lunatic theory. But yeah, he ends up being able to actually talk to babies and understand them. And uh, so he learns of the evil plan that they have these two babies and they're going to move them all to Liechtenstein. Mm. So uh, they go and uh, try to rescue the babies. And uh, our baby genius... Uh, coordinates with a bunch of other babies to rescue them and stop the villain at a baby-themed theme park. Yes. Which is also... I don't understand... Like, I understand, like, theme parks, like, you know, Six Flags, there there's a lot of superhero themes, or... Sure. You know, you go to a Wild West theme park, sure, it's Wild West-themed. Baby-themed, though. Like, the theme is babies. And they're using are, this are, park to fund the research? Is that what the thing is here? Or maybe it's just built on top of the lab or something? Yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. I think I think it's built on top of the lab. And they have, like, a giant baby that goes walking around. It's like a robot baby. Uh, That's their mascot. Yeah, there are also, like, robot animals at the petting zoo that the babies are able to control with remote controls. Uh, yeah, There's just also a, murderous a, clowns. Murderous clowns. It, it's a real just mishmash of of '90s tech, you know, of just <laughs> '90s fantasy tech. Just like all all they were missing were a couple floppy disks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All they were missing was like to zoom, enhance, not right. that. But oh my god, that's Jason Bourne. That's all they were missing. <laughs> Every time I hear the word enhance in a film, it automatically loses one star. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just think of Tommy Lee Jones just ripping his glasses off. And it's like, (laughs) wait a minute, who is that? (laughs) Brian Cox squinting at the screen. Oh, my God. So stupid. Yeah, it's... uh... I gotta watch those movies again. I haven't watched the Bourne movies in a long time. Oh, they're—I mean, the problem is it, they get stupid after a while. But the last—see, I—I do defend Legacy. You know this. We've done a podcast about this in the past. Ugh, 
That's I defend horrible. legacy. The fifth one, Jason Bourne, is really bad. Mm-hmm. Real, it's just called Jason Bourne. What's the one? I think it's the first one where they fight uh, in like an apartment and they're like in a bathroom at one point. Uh, there, ha- there. It's like <laughs> the whole like it could be any of them. No, but okay, but there's like there's like a a very focused like segment of their fight that is in the bathroom. Like they're they're like choking him out. I think that's where he kills the guy eventually. Okay. Uh, whatever one that I think it's the first one. That is some of the best action. Just yeah. those original movies. The action yeah. in those are so incredible. I know it's the shaky cam, whatever, but you gotta for the time it really was kind of revolutionary. Yeah, all three of them are really good. I love that Just, scene in the first one. I don't know if you remember when when he's getting chased in the cornfield, or it's not a cornfield, but it's like in a prairie by a barn, and you hear the shots go off and the birds start flying. Oh, so good, so great. good. Ugh. Uh, and also just like great character actors populating those movies, you know, just just standing in the control room and doing a couple days of good work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah, boy. Ed Norton might be the best. Oh, my God. It's Jason Bourne guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he, he was made. He was made to say that line. He was born yeah. for it. You know, he was born. Exactly. He was born for it. Uh yeah, it's it's uh I think Chris Cooper or Brian Cox in the first one, I don't remember. In the second one uh let's see. Let's see who else is there. Oh, uh Joan Allen does it one uh David Strathairn is one of those guys at one point. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones I think is in the fifth one and Ed Norton's <laughs> in the fourth one. Ed Norton has a great scene where he melts down in front of he's like, everybody out of here now. <laughs> just like that too with like yeah like a like a whiny child so good what were we talking about this amusement park yeah i mean so long long story short about baby geniuses here is there is nothing redeemable really no, it's it's really bad. The, the humor is horrible yeah. and what was the funniest know, moment man. for you i think the this is it was funny sort of ironically but so there's the scene where these two goons are trying to kidnap the baby from the house right and so he puts a ski at the top of the stairs and we're seeing the gears turning and it's like some home alone shit yes and the guy comes up and he goes you think i'm gonna step up here on this step and the ski's gonna be right between my legs and you're gonna jump on it and hit me in the gonads I'm not going to fall for that. I'm going to step to the side of the ski. And then the kid throws something at him and he dodges it by jumping with his legs on either side of the ski. And then the kid jumps up, hits from the gonads. Right. Not funny. It's pretty dumb. (laughs) As that guy falls down the stairs and leaves, the second goon comes up and they literally repeat the exact same scene. Same scene. He says the same thing. He even uses the word gonads again. Gets hit in the gonads again. And... The part that made me laugh about this whole thing was just obviously how unoriginal and how lazy it was. But also, both times after the kid did this, he laughed. And the laugh, I swear to God, they recorded one baby laugh and they used it 35 times in this movie. And it was the <laughs> same baby laugh twice in a row. And just it just finally hit me. I'm like, God, this is such hot garbage. Uh, yeah, it hit me a lot. You know exactly the that, laugh but... I'm talking about, right? Yeah, sure. I do. Yes, I do. It's like a belly-busting child laugh. It's very distracting. The dialogue is very distracting. It never sounds like it, it 
quite matches their mouth movements. It never quite matches their bodies either. Like the tone of voice that they're using doesn't really match the emotion shown on their face. So it's this were, weird were you ever convinced? <laughs> were you ever convinced that these babies were actually intelligent in any capacity? No, not really. I mean, they just—they're <laughs> not I, smart. They're I mean, just... they're pretty good at karate, I guess. Like they can—they—they <laughs> they well, make a lot of shit. Never jokes. comes up again. He right. does karate at the beginning, and then it never comes. He doesn't do karate again. No, there are some punches thrown. Like I, I don't <laughs> understand like why the intelligence of these babies would also give them superhuman strength, but they are given superhuman strength. You're still getting punched by a baby. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's bizarre. I'm pretty sure I could take a baby. I don't know. Oh my god, I'd I'd kill that fucking baby. I would destroy put that baby in a headlock. It's over. Oh, they can't Sayonara. even keep their heads up. No, hey, you ever see a baby? Yeah, they're fucking leaning <laughs> over all the time. The neck just moves, and I also love the implication that these babies are super geniuses, but they still shit their pants. Right. That, <laughs> well, know? that's kind of the the <laughs> supposed to be the 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 comedy in the movie is that they're babies, but they have gr- gravy diapers. I think is the phrase they use. Oh. At one point, a, a dog refers to the, the, the baby's diapers as gravy diapers. And I'm like, do and dogs talk away. too? Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently babies, babies can understand dogs in this movie. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just really bad. <laughs> I guess my favorite scene is when he when he's smoking the cigar. I think it's kind of funny having a baby smoke a cigar. Where he puts on this. Fo- okay. It was kind of funny. Yeah, he's wearing a hat and a, a trench coat. He's kidnapped by a, a homeless c- man. Yeah. But he's walking down the street and going like, hello to everybody he sees, like bringing attention to himself and then is immediately caught. And he's like, ah, this disguise sucks. <laughs> like you said hi to everyone. I guess a cigar will never not Idiot. be funny to me. Just a baby you know? with a cigar. Anybody with a cigar, a monkey with a cigar, <laughs> baby, all of it. Anybody with a cigar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's it's. Adam, I, I think, uh, did not want to be here today, in addition to also not being able to be here today. He fled to the Bahamas because of this. Yeah, he, he did. We, we mentioned this. We floated Baby Geniuses as an idea. As a matter of fact, I floated Baby Geniuses as an idea years ago, and I recall Adam being just absolutely against it. He's like, do not make me watch that movie. <laughs> oh, there was one more line I want to shout out quickly. When he, like, sexually harasses the little girl. When Sly, our main character, climbs into a yeah, when the baby, yeah, yeah, yes, and is like, uh, take off your clothes, and the girl is like, oh, why don't you buy me dinner first, Tiger? Yeah, yeah, that was a little uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Felt, felt like some ninety nine humor. Uncomfortable. How about the fucking? Uh, how about Dicky the ice pick? How about that? Kid? Yeah, I, that gag didn't really work for me, huh? Yeah, there's this one kid who's like rebelling i guess he can't keep a steady job and he's he he works at this nursery with these children and at one point he has like pink hair and a nose ring another point he 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 tattoos the word the, or tattoos a stop sign to his forehead uh he tries to like become a monk yeah the one yeah he keeps changing his outfit very dramatically in an effort to get fired yes or in an effort to seem like he doesn't care but I don't know. I don't really get the joke. It was definitely for the parents to be like, ha ha, you know, your teenager just wants to, I don't know, be a teenager. 
<laughs> I don't really get the joke. It wasn't very funny. Uh, yeah, he has banter with the uh, Ruby D's character who, you know, was in fucking do the right thing. And now <laughs> right. she's in this. <laughs> now she's in baby geniuses. Uh, <laughs> uh, how about the premise of hypnosis? Ah, yeah. Dom DeLuise, a lot of tongue humor here. Mm. Dom Louis sticking out his tongue and making fart noises. They make him pick his nose. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Why did you fucking like this as a child, Nick? Well, when I was, uh, I don't know, four, it was pretty <laughs> fucking funny. I, You know, I think this is one of those movies that it was on TV a lot. Mm. Um, and also it gave you the exact, it told you when to laugh. Yes. You know, because right. the babies all laugh. Right. In a very shrill horrible annoying sort of way yes and so i think it was easy to watch as a kid yeah i uh i I, you know we're gonna find this i think as we go along this month um we still have two more weeks left um you know i'm gonna start getting really angry at my parents (laughs) for letting me watch this nonsense (laughs) like I mean, that's really, it's really the responsibility of the parents. I mean, like, we like to blame children for our things, but you have to ask yourselves, like, where were their parents when they committed these heinous acts? And, uh, I don't know. Movie watching, I think, is no exception. I think you have a responsibility as a parent. If you're the one sitting in the room with these fucking kids and watching the same movie over and over and over and over again, like, my little cousin has watched the, the film, uh, uh, what's it called? Rio with the birds. Mm-hmm. You ever seen that movie with the birds? She's watched yeah. it like a hundred and fifty times, and her parents you know, hate though, it. Here's here's the problem: is I can sympathize with the parent because often they're not sitting in the room with the kid. Often it is the one thing they can do to get the kid to shut up. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But like, I feel like you would want to steer the kids in the direction of a movie that you could tolerate watching on a loop. It's going to be echoing through the house. Like, I feel like you'd much rather have Beauty and the Beast playing than, you know, so fucking do I have The Secret kids... Life of Pets 2. <laughs> so, so, so if I have kids, do I have them watch Westworld with me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not even saying that. I just think you should steer them towards Pixar movies. You sure, know? I don't know. Steer them towards, uh, you know, um, I don't know, Bambi or you pop on Bill Nye, but then your kids start asking you questions and you don't know the answer. No, I don't want you, that. You know. No, listen, if I ever find a woman to impregnate one day and I'm somehow given a child. <laughs> wow, that is the worst <laughs> way you could phrase that. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's really all I'm open for at this point. Uh, like, <laughs> I, my kids are going to have good movie taste. All right? I'm going to make sure of that. I'm not going to let fucking... Baby geniuses slip through the goalie, you know? We're not playing this movie a hundred times. I don't care how much you like it. The DVD is going to get burned in a horrible fire. So are you going to watch all of these kids' movies first to decide well, if they should watch I have a pretty good it? idea of what the good kids' movies are. Don't you know what they are already? You went through childhood. Well, Toy like, Story so can be on. So you're only going to show them old movies. Because that's know, the thing old. is, the kids don't want to watch old movies. They don't fucking know. They want to watch what's in theaters. 
They don't know. They don't know. You think they're like at, at, at the daycare and preschool, like the kids guess, are getting together when I was on the kid, water cooler, like, oh, did you see Better Call Saul last night? They don't know what's <laughs> new. I guess when I was a kid, I actually wanted to go to the theaters all the time uh, okay. and see what I saw on commercials. But I guess in today's world, there really aren't commercials in that same way. Right. And people aren't really going to the theater anymore. So I don't know. It's tough. They're when making judgment calls. And, yeah. Based on the, the poster art. That's what they're making a call on. Based on whatever the Netflix key art is. That's true. Yeah. I don't know, man. You th- but at the end of the day, you just want the kid to shut up, right? Yeah, no, but I mean, I'd also like a cinephile. <laughs> Again, this is why I won't be a spark you're, you're ra- anytime You're going to raise an atom. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Your kid's going to be an atom hall. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> oh, man. Those pictures look really nice. That fucker. I know. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. Um, you want to get a timeshare? Um, you want to not invite Adam to a timeshare? Maybe. Are, they're like a scam, right? Isn't it like cheaper just to get an Airbnb? It depends. That's my understanding of timeshares. I've never heard anyone with a good experience. Maybe we should split one. I don't know. How about like we just start an Airbnb empire? Like all these, these. So you want to just buy a property? Yeah, you've heard about in this, the, right? Like it's causing like yeah, it's causing like a housing crisis because all like these millennials are buying up property and listing them on Airbnb. Sounds like a good deal. Yeah, I think maybe you and I should do, go into business and do that. Bahamas house for sale, huh? I mean, hey, there's. There's some stuff. <laughs> I think we should give it a go. I think we should just get into real estate, you and I. I think That's just a good idea. from this whole podcasting thing. Yeah. Every yeah. episode, we can just promote our properties. Yeah. Just shill our Airbnb business on all the listeners, huh? I think we might have to do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else on Baby Geniuses? <laughs> I got nothing, dude. This I movie really sucks. So it's much really worse. It's really bad. It's really awful. <laughs> I don't know what I thought was funny about it as a kid. It's just one of those things. Clearly, you were not a baby genius, Nick. You know, I resent that. But a ching. Okay, here we go. Let's play a game. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Who do we do here, Nick? What's the play? I think we did Christopher Lloyd already on the Camp Nowhere pod. Um, Kathleen Turner and Kim Cattrall are options. Dom DeLuise. I don't feel like I know anybody here. Um, are there any uh, famous babies that are worth doing? <laughs> a famous baby, huh? I don't know. Who's like a good Do babies have net worths? I'm sure they do. They must. <laughs> Any geniuses worth discussing? 
How about John Voight? Let's just do John Voight. John Voight. That's good. Yeah, we had to do Voight. John Voight before. I don't know. Maybe we did. But I don't remember what he was worth. I don't remember either. John Voight, producer of Baby Geniuses. <laughs> and also well, the consi- star of Super Babies, colon, Baby Geniuses 2. <laughs> right. Considering his decisions. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, ba- Baby Geniuses 3. Baby Squad Investigators, BSI for short, uh, Baby Geniuses and the Treasures of Egypt, Baby Geniuses and the Space Baby. And the Space Baby? Yes. Uh, <laughs> baby Geniuses and the Treasures of Egypt. And the ba- Treasures of Egypt? Baby Geniuses and the Mystery of the Crown Jewels. What the fuck? <laughs> this is like the... The princess switch at this point we're getting. Yeah, I'm in the baby genius. This is not a universe I'd like to explore. (laughs) (laughs) Not another cinematic universe. Uh, All right, I'll say John Voight's like worth 40 mil. I was thinking 40 as well. I really was. Uh, I'll take the low and say 38 mil. I'll leaving box you out a, a little bit. There. Leaving room for a tie at 39. <laughs> yeah, I don't think 39 is the number that CelebrityNetWorth.com is going to go with. All right, the actual net worth of John Voight, a guy that's never made a bad decision in his life. I, pr- I probably on just on gave you Dead on on everything that John Voight. <laughs> <laughs> really, my one of my heroes, one of the thought leaders of this country. Uh... Oscar award winner, I should say, John Voight. Uh, $55 million. That means I just won this week's edition of How Many Drew Carey. I had a feeling I went the wrong direction. But. John. Would have been too easy to just say 41 and fuck you over that way. Because <laughs> that's just not nice. All right. Uh, that's it, Nick. We'll be back next week with... Uh, a little imp he'll be back good good i will uh yeah i'm excited for more of this nonsense i will uh give away what my selection is right now i can't wait what we're is doing it? yet another dom de Luis film oh no dom de Luis stars in 1980s fatso fat you did not watch this as a kid sure did you did not. Sure did. Oh, God. Written and directed by Anne Bancroft. Mrs. Robinson from The Graduate. Writes and directs the Dom DeLuise vehicle, Fatso. About a guy that Yikes. I uh, have no idea how this movie is. I have no idea you how it's this as a kid? Up. I did. I had a very disturbing childhood. Fatso. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here first. For Look forward to uh, to revisiting that one. Should be a good time. Uh, that's it. Love you. Until next time, Nick, you've been so very, very naughty. Naughty.